Thank you for tuning in with us at Bayou City Fellowship, Cyprus, a community that's radically focused on Jesus. It's relatively easy to feel overwhelmed with the trials and complications we face daily. Thank you, Jesus, for your living word, full of infinite wisdom and knowledge. Join us as we go through a sermon series in the book of Proverbs called Skillful Living. You ever have those mornings where you have this realization, like you just have to remind yourself of what you're actually doing? Like that we're actually here together again. For what reason? Okay, here, listen. I realize the lights were still down, so we'll do another try. It's important, right, to remember. Like, what do you come to church for? Yes, to worship God. Who is it that you're worshiping? We don't serve, listen, we're not here to sing songs about two and four, a dead, unrelational, separated God. We come here to be in the presence of the Lord Almighty. We sang a song about the Lord Almighty, who was and is and is to come, who will always be. Before we were thought of, he already was. And I feel like at times I need to remember that. Maybe it'll give me and afford me a little zip in my step, a little excitement about my life. Hey, just saw my daughter, didn't expect to see her there. (laughs) We're family after all, it's good to see you, sweetheart. (laughs) It's caught me off guard there. And it's also very important to remember that he is who we're here for. You are not here for me. Good. It's a good thing that you're not here for me. Right? We are here with one another for God. Does that make sense? Enough of that. It's just important that we remember. Otherwise, we might think that this is about us and it's not. We're going to finish our series in Proverbs today. Been a fun time. Enjoyed it. We'll have an open week next week, and then we'll start the book of Ephesians, which will lead us into Advent and the Christmas season. Proverbs, though, we're going to talk about something today. Um, there's debate about how many planners are in the room. Not like if you purchased a planner at one time back in the day. I mean, you live by the planner. You know who you are. Raise them high. Be proud. Let, show me the planners in the room. That's what I'm talking about. We have some closet planners. I know it because there's more of you in the room than that. That's okay. How many non-planners? I'm putting both feet up in the air right now. I'm jumping up and down trying to do jumping jack. Now, here's the thing about planners and non-planners. Planners get extraordinarily frustrated with non-planners. Like how many of you plan <laughs> How many of you planners are married to a non-planner? Probably plenty. And you're like I don't understand why we need a plan and we need to stick to the plan. The plan's important. Do the plan. If we just do the plan, everything'll be okay. And all the non-planners are like, "Dude, relax. It's going to be okay." Right? You, you have a couple of these. I am a non-planner. For all of you who deal with me, please forgive me. 
right? God puts planners around me so that the rest of the church doesn't suffer. This is, this is how it actually works. And it's good to have a plan. Like, it's okay to have a plan, right? Sometimes, though, the plan is king, right? We get, we get locked into the plan, the plan. And then what happens? The planners know what I'm talking about. It creates high levels of stress and anxiety when the plan isn't followed or when the plan doesn't work out the way that you planned it, right? <laughs> and all the non-planners, right, are sitting back. And they're like, I mean... I'm sure it'll work out. And all the, that's just it. That's all we do. We're just like, well, I'm sure it'll be fine, right? We call ourselves adventurous. That's just what we are. We're adventure seekers. We like adventure. We don't want to be tied down to anything. (laughs) And both are fine. As long as there's one thing before all of it. God has plans. He gives plans. He gives individual plans. He's like an insurance salesman. He has individual plans and group plans. (laughs) Sorry, Lord, that was rude. He's not like an insurance salesman, but he does have plans, right? And he gives plans to, like, the nation of Israel, for instance. He gives plans to groups of people. He gives plans to individuals we see in the scriptures. Here's the deal. Plans are fine, but there's a plan that's more important than all the other plans, There's one plan to rule them all. I had three Lord of the Rings fans in the room. That's wonderful. Right? But we, so the goal though is not to be a planner or not planner. Like it's okay that you're one or the other. We need one another in the world. The planners need the non-planners. Right? Or else they'll spontaneously combust. And the non-planners need planners because they may miss out on opportunities because they're not paying attention to what's coming. But at the end of the day, your plan and my plan are not the most important thing. And we're going to look at some scripture. We're going to look at three verses in Proverbs-ish. And then we're going to make sure that before we leave today, that we have an opportunity to adjust our lives to what it says and who he is which is the point of being here and why we read the scriptures. Does that sound good? Because if you're the type of person who needs the plan to be exactly so, you are gonna be very disappointed in your life. And you may at times resent God for not following through with your plan, right? And if you are not a planner and you are just like, yeah, let's do this you may have an unhealthy expectation of what, the, of what life should look like and when it doesn't turn out that way or when it's fraught with things that you expected to be fun and easy, you'll be disappointed also that God may call you into things that are not those things. They're not easy. You can turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 16. It's important to figure out this thing together. We're going to focus on the first three verses specifically, and we'll grab a couple from some other spots. This is not the only place you'll find uh, scripture about making plans, 
making decisions or anything else. This is just where we're going to be today, okay? It says, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. And commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. There's two things here that are very important. The sovereignty of God, the idea that God sees all of it all the time, right? He sees what's before your plans and after your plans. He sees what the effect of our plans will be. He sees what's inside when we're developing our plans. And then there's something that we have to do in order to have firm steps, in order to have our plans established. What we really want this to say is that if I ask God to bless my plans, it's gonna work out just fine. That's not what this scripture says. That's not what it's about. God is less concerned with your plans that you make than he is about you understanding why you should trust him in his. So here's what it says. The plans of the heart, the reflections of the heart, the direction that we wanna go, right? The things that we put together as we move forward in life, right? The plans of the heart. This is an interesting thing, the heart. What is the heart? Well, it's an organ, right? We know that. It's kind of the, it's a pretty big deal. It's the center of who we are, right? But the heart of a man, the heart of a woman, right? That word, it means one's inner self, the inclinations, the dispositions, right? The will, the reasons that we do things, the heart of the matter, right? Those belong to us. Like, we can do that. We can take the inclinations go, oh, I have something in me to do these things. But the answer, right, the things that come out of that, the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Again, anytime you see Lord, L-O-R-D, all caps, this is referring to Yahweh. This is the God who was and is. I am. That's what that word means. This is not like the Lord and the ladies. It's not like the Lord of the castle. This is the Lord, creator of the universe. Verse two says, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Or motives are weighed by the Lord, as it says in the NIV motives are weighed by the Lord. See, motive matters. Motive matters. Not just what plans, but why. Right? The plans that you're making, are they meant for yourself? Are they gonna honor you? Are they gonna get you ahead? Are they going to, right, take care of you? You know how this goes. And all the things that we, we do we can figure out a way to justify them to be pure, right? They're, they're pure in our own eyes. Oh, no, Lord, I mean, oh, yeah, for sure, God, I'm going to, yeah, I'll be generous. Yeah, no, this plan is good because it, like, helps some people out. But what if, it, what if it's actually, like, a self-indulgent plan, right? They seem right to us. Like, the first time I was engaged, I was like, oh, this seems right. Right? It was pure in my own eyes. The whole time, though, knowing there was something I was wrestling about, I could justify it all the which ways that it needed to be to work out to be God's plan, right? 
No, of course God wants me to have this. Right? We justify all sorts of things. Our ways seem pure in our own eyes. But God weighs the motive. Motive matters. Follow your passion. Follow your heart. It looks good on a motivational poster, but it's terrible advice. Do you know why? Because Jeremiah tells us, he says, the heart above all things is deceitfully wicked. Who can even understand it? The heart above all things is deceitfully wicked. Our inclinations, remember, we are sinful people. From the beginning, sinful people doing sinful things so that we can live a sinful life, so we can be self-indulgent, self-centered, and take care and control our own lives. Right? It doesn't even have to be overt wickedness. The motive, is your motive in your plans to control yourself or others? Listen, let's get down to it. Let's just pull them gloves right off and let's talk about it. Do you make decisions and plans in your life so that you can have control of your life or the life of those around you? Parents, let's talk about it. Do you know how many times I've talked to students I'm asking about their life? Here's the answer. I don't really want to do that, but my parents are going to, they want me to do it. Why? Why do we see it necessary to control the lives of others and truthfully to control our lives. At the end of the day, I'm not gonna give you, the answer is yes. We make decisions so that we can have control of our lives and the lives of others. This is why we do what we do because we are terrified that if we let God do it, he won't do it the way we want. Is that too honest? This is true though, isn't it? Isn't this how we do it? Yes, let's go. I'm glad we're all here now. We make decisions constantly. The motive of our heart is control. Can we just, let's just own that before the Lord today. We do it to control our own lives because we are terrified that if we let go and actually trust God with it, he won't do it the way we want. It won't be easy, comfortable. It might be hard. We won't have all the things everybody else. There's reasons why the motives are real. Now, it doesn't mean we have to do it that way. I'm just trying to acknowledge that we have a tendency to do it this way. Motives are weighed by the heart. So we can say all the, all the while, oh no, I'm doing this for this, this, and this. But what is your motive deep down in your heart? Because that's what God weighs, not just the plan. It's not the paper version. It's what's behind it. So these are just facts. These are just what it says. I didn't, I'm just telling you what it says. So verse three, so then what do we do about it? What do we do about it? Commit. 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 How are we doing with this word? Commit. Do you know the Hebrew word here is to roll away, roll over on. It is a full, it's like rolling away from oneself. You play, the, you play, play with your kids, you know, you pass the ball, right? You pass the ball. In soccer, if you've ever coached underage soccer, bless you. I've refereed underage soccer. I should get a crown in heaven for that, like a little jewel, so just a little one. Anybody who coaches underage soccer 
deserves a jewel in their crown. Do you know why it's so hard to coach underage soccer? Because they all want the ball for themselves and they don't care about the team. That's just how it operates. It's fine. They're like under eight. What do you expect? Pass the, you just scream, pass the ball! There's like one kid by himself, totally open, the goal's wide open because the goalie wants the ball too. And the goal is open and what did you do? The kid's open and like, pass the ball! Do you know why it doesn't work? Because we all want the ball. We can't roll the ball. We can't get the ball away from ourselves because then we don't have it. That's what this word commit is, to roll away from. What are we supposed to roll away from us and to whom? Roll away your work, roll away your plans, roll away your decisions to whom? The Lord, all caps again. So give away, roll your things to the Lord. Commit. Now this is not writing him up, laying before the Lord and said, I love your stamp of approval, Lord. That's not what that scripture says. We want it to say that. Roll away, commit your deeds, commit the things that you do first to the Lord. Start with the Lord. And then your plans will be established. Start with the Lord finding out what he wants you to do and then go do it and those will be the firm plans that you walk in. Do you wanna learn how to develop good plans? Do you wanna learn how to develop God-centered plans? Then you have to commit yourself to the Lord, commit your work to the Lord first. And it doesn't happen overnight, right? Do you know why it's so hard to commit? Because it has everything to do with trust. Has everything to do with trust. So you wanna to learn to be a great decision maker. Do you wanna know how to make great plans? That comes over time. Do you know why it takes time? When's the last time that somebody told you something and you listened the first time, you learned it the first time? You know how many times? Zero, nobody does that ever, it's not how life is. And we, every generation, myself included as parents, forgive me, we do this. I already told, I told you, why didn't you learn it? And in the back of our head, every single one of us say, do you know why? Because neither did you. Do you know why I know that? Because you all carry hurt and brokenness and pain from the decisions that you made that you didn't listen to the first time and that I didn't listen to the first time. Right? Hey, Johnny, don't go that way. Don't do that. It's gonna be, it's gonna be painful. It's not gonna feel good. And I'm just headlong in and, you know, crash and burn. And then my parents are sitting there just going, do you know what happened though? I learned how to not do that again. Not after the first time. If only, if only. You'd have a righteous man before you, but you don't. It's this great, this great uh, adage. It says, never trust a pastor without a limp. Don't trust the pastor that hasn't been through a little bit because he's not talking from experience because he hasn't learned. Or you need to, we learn how to make good decisions along the way. Unfortunately, we don't learn the first time. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. And I love this last fourth verse. It won't be up there because I didn't put it up there. The Lord has made everything for its purpose or his purpose. He works Everything for his own ends 
It means this. All our planning, all our decisions, and everything are not as important as what God wants. And we know this, right? Oh, God, your will be done. We don't mean any of that mess. We don't. What we mean is, God, I want your will to be my will. Here's my will. How about that stamp now? That's how we live our life. That's that's not what we say, but it's what we do. It's how we operate. Because making plans the way that God wants, making decisions the way he wants, requires a couple things that we have a hard time with. Trust, time, and submission. Obedience, we'll get there. Right? We have to trust somebody else. I'll give you an example. Driving. Drive it. How many of you guys like to drive? Yeah, I love driving. I love being in the driver's seat. I love controlling the car. I like driving the car where I want it to go. I like drifting the car if necessary. Okay, peeling out, all the things. I'm all about it. Driving's fantastic. Do you know what I don't like doing? Sitting in the passenger seat. Here's how you can tell if you like sitting in the passenger seat. You don't do this. And stare and be like, jump and like freak out every time like the car moves in a place you didn't intend it to go. Right, when you're looking for them to change lanes. Or when you, when you give subtle, kind hints. Hey, the, the lane's clear. I do this all the time. It's the worst. Because I want control. I want to decide where I go because it makes me feel good about myself, it makes me feel comfortable, and it makes me know what the outcome will be. I know if I steer my car towards that jump, it's gonna go up and then down at some point, and that'll be great. If somebody else is driving, I don't know if they know how to do, maybe they don't know how to jump the car. Maybe they don't know what drifting is. But this is how we treat God all the time in our decisions and our planning. Plans are fine. It's just a matter of how do we get there? Whose plan is it really? And are we trusting God with it in the first place? This is tough. This is tough. It takes an unconditional trust in God for all things in your life. And you will slowly become the kind of person who's able to make plans that honor God first, that your motive is correct, but it takes time. What does James say? James 4, 13 to 17, it talks about not boasting about tomorrow. It says, don't, don't say, oh, tomorrow we're gonna go here and do this and do that. And it literally says, don't do that. And what do we do? <laughs> exactly that. Well, you know what I'm gonna do? You know what my plan is. My plan is to do this, 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 and this. All the non-planners are like, yeah, listen up. <laughs> don't worry, you'll get yours. Right, but the idea is, he says, don't boast about that. He says, you, you can't even, you don't even know when your next breath is. You don't even know if you're gonna make it to tomorrow. Why would you believe that somehow you've got the corner on tomorrow? He says, if it's the Lord's will that we go here and do this or that. So what do we, as Christians, we take that scripture and here's what we do. We tell people what we're gonna do and at the very end we tack on it, if it's the Lord's will. Well, you know, next year we're gonna go to uh, Mongolia and we're gonna do these great things and I'm gonna, go, oh, I'm gonna be on the show alone because I think I'm a great at survival skills, if the Lord wills. And we throw, we tack it on, right? It's our hope for a stamp of approval. 
We're almost floating it up. Oh, Lord, here's what I got. You want to write something down and you want to tune me out the rest of the time? Maybe this would be enough. It's very simple. God's plan is the only plan that matters. God's plan is the only plan that matters. What he wants, when he wants, and how he wants is the only thing we should be trying to figure out. His plan, the one who made you, right? The one who made you and the one who saved you. The one who fixed all the mess that our selfish plans got us into. His way is the way we should be looking for. His steps, his firm steps are the steps we should be looking for. Any of you been in the snow? Right, you go to the snow, especially the deep snow after a good, after a good dump, right? You're like, oh, powder, right? Have you ever, have you ever run out? <laughs> have you been the first person in the snow, right? And you're like, you know, and you step off and you're like sink down to the bottom, right? And you're like trudging. And now if you're like the third person, what do you do? You're like, because you're on the firm steps have been packed down. We're looking for the firm steps, We're looking for the firm steps. So what? The reason it's such a struggle is because it can be scary. What are the things we're worried about? What do we fear in trusting God? That he won't give us what we want, he won't take us where we want to go, right? And that others will have more or greater things. This is why it's hard to let God's way be the only way that matters. If you think Hebrews 11, you can turn if you want to Hebrews 11. It's not gonna be on the screen, forgive me. We know this is the hall of faith. <clears throat> and in here are a group of people who God gave plans to. Now, in the scope of the type of plans that you like and that I like, these plans are terrible. Hey, hey, Abram, I'd like you to go to this land, this place that I'll tell you about later. <laughs> I just want you to go. Huh? When's the last time you made that kind of plan? All the non-planners are like, last week. <laughs> go. Right? It says, without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must, before, or must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Noah What kind of messed up plan was that? (laughs) Think, listen, think about it. You want to talk about plans. God's plan was for Noah and his eight family members to be the only survivors of worldwide destruction and he told them to build a boat when there was no rain yet. Right? How many of you would say yes to that? Don't you dare raise your hand because I wouldn't have either. Because here's the thing, it's not a full plan. Now he gave very detailed plans for the boat, build it like this, but he did not tell him all the details. Also, two by two, a lot of questions to be answered in that plan, right? Think about the other people that are here. Think about the other people that are here that God asked them to do certain things. The nation of Israel, he asked them to do certain things, plans, Moses. 
Moses couldn't follow a very simple plan. Is what You know what kept Moses out of the land of promise? Instead of speaking to the rock to bring water, he hit the rock to bring water. Weird plans. Oh, we want you to take over the promised land. Go into a place where you are outnumbered, outclassed. There's too many people and they're gonna destroy you. And oh, by the way, I'll be with you. You know, be strong and courageous. And they go, they go do their thing, right? The plan doesn't make sense. See, the part of the problem with letting God's plan be the plan is it doesn't always make sense to us. He doesn't give us the full plan ahead of time and he asks us to do it anyway. So it's hard. Also, there's this thing that we struggle with in this day and age with comparing our plan to other people's plan. Thank you, social media, for making that worse than it already was. Well, their plan seems better than my plan, God. Their plan includes a yacht in the Bahamas. My plan's what? Working the nine to five. It's because we believe that God's plan means our affluence, our comfort, and our ease. And most often, God's plan, because we don't learn things by him just telling us, requires growth, and we don't grow by affluence, comfort, and ease, do we? We don't grow that way. We grow through struggle. We grow through pain. We grow through the hardships of life. And so that's how the plan works. He calls us into a life of faith and trust and obedience, right? And we learn as we go so that we can become those people who develop plans that are firmly established in the Lord because they're committed to him to begin with. No, none of these people would have drawn it up this way, would they? Paul. God, hey, look, listen, Jesus, it's good to meet you. Here's how I'd like it to go, Lord. I would like extraordinary persecution. I'd love to be whipped a few times. In fact, if you could send some people to try to kill me, that would be great. I can't wait for that. Also, I've always wanted to be shipwrecked in the middle of the ocean. Can we do that a couple times? That'd be fantastic. Yeah, send some snakes. Yeah. That'd be, you, can you stamp that? People don't draw that up. You wouldn't have drawn up your life either because of the pain, struggle, and suffering, and yet it is the very thing that brought you to Jesus. We cannot, listen close, we cannot become more like Jesus without the struggle. We will not grow to be more like Jesus without the struggle. It is part of the plan because we messed up the plan at the beginning. Remember, there was a plan. That plan was perfect intimacy with the God who made us, with comfort, ease, and total provision. And from the first Adam to now, we have messed up the plan. And even so, because God determines the steps and he's sovereign over it, even then he can still call us into something that is godly and amazing and full of blessing. It's just not the way that we would draw it up. Jesus, what did he say? What did Jesus say about it? He said, count the cost before you go do something. He said, deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. That's part of the plan. Deny yourself. Wake up every day. 
Deny yourself. Deny yourself. Deny yourself. That's not part of my plan, Lord. Nope. No. Give me more, Lord. Deny yourself. Count the cost. And you know what Jesus said? Because the plan was for him to give his life for you and me. The plan was for him to take on the sin of the world. In fact, to become sin. The scripture says, he who had no sin became sin for us, right? The plan was for him to suffer on our behalf. He says, God, not my will, not what I want, but what you want, how you want, and when you want. That's what it means to commit your way, commit your work, commit your plans to the Lord. So what do we do? We need a plan. We need a plan. First thing we need to do, if we're gonna make plans that honor God and that are firmly established, if we're gonna commit our plans, here we go. We have to first pray and wait. Did you actually pray about it? We love this in the church. We talk to each other. I prayed about it, and this is what the Lord told me. I'm like, did you really pray about it, though? We say it all the time. Uh, we prayed about it, and so we're going to make this decision. If you say that you prayed about it, you had better have prayed about it. Listen, stop saying you prayed about it when all you did was tell God what you were going to do. Don't say you prayed about it when you said a prayer about it and then you got to work. If you're going to pray about it, pray about it. Sit and pray and wait and listen, right? Because the second part is you have to listen for the answer. Praying and waiting is not fun, right? This is where patience comes in. If you're going to pray, pray. Lay it down. God, not God, here's my plan. Let's talk about it. It is God, what do you want me to do? This is talking about praying about your plans. Lord, what do you plan for my life? What do you want me to lead my family into? Where do you want me to live? What do you want me to do for a living? Do you want me to go to school? Parents, start praying with your kids now and ask what God wants them to do. Students, you better start praying, asking God what he wants you to do. Because there's lots of options. There's only one option that matters, and it's his option. Now, the good news is, when we make mistakes, not if, but when we make mistakes, God's sovereign over that too and get us where he needs us to go. Because at the end of the day, his plan will prevail. Which is really good for people like me who make a lot of mistakes. Think about it. Pray. Are you actually praying and waiting for the answer? Listen, did you go to the word? Did you pray, God, speak to me. Let your word speak to me. God speaks through the word. Did you look for the answer in the scriptures? Did you talk to anybody? Did you, the Bible says in uh, Proverbs 15, it says plans fail for lack of counsel. Did you talk to anybody about it? You know why we don't talk to people? You know why? Because we don't want to hear him tell us it is not the right way. I did this my first engagement too. I had everybody. I was like, what do you think? Man, we love each other. It's going to be great. Hey, we love you. This is how I heard over and over again. We love you and we'll support you either way, but if you got six people tell you that, stop what you're doing and go a different direction. Especially if they're godly people who are more mature than you, who have learned more than you along the way. Are you listening for the actual answer, not the one you want? You have to pray and wait and listen. That's the, the P and the L for the plan. Also, the answer may not come the way you want. If you're going to make God-sized decisions and God-sized plans, it's going to require faith and it's going to require trust. 
God didn't call people in a, like, if you could do it on your own, what do you need him for? God called people into crazy stuff, and it actually, it might be dangerous. It might not be safe. Part of the problem, we don't want to listen for God's answer is because we're afraid that he might call us into something we don't feel like we can handle. But the good news is you can't handle it. That's the point, because you have to depend on a powerful God, right? If you don't have to depend on God for anything in your life, your plans are too small. If it doesn't require you to have faith in the God that made you, your plans are too small. I'm not talking about you coming up with some game plan and be like, oh, Johnny told me, you know, I'm going to buy the rockets tomorrow. Lord provide. That's not what I'm talking about. Don't go knocking on the owner's door. My pastor told me. And when you listen, you have to manage. Listen, a lot of times we're looking for the answer that we want, right? Well, I feel like the Lord told me to go buy that ticket. Is $1.5 billion. Go Illinois. See, here's what we do. It's a funny illustration. It's not a, not a uh, commentary on whether you buy lotto tickets or not. Every time, though, right? Well, if I buy this, I could do a lot of good. And then we talk ourselves into we're going to win the money. We expect then, right? Or, or you make plans talking yourself into what it's supposed to be, and when it doesn't turn out that way, we get mad at God. You have to manage those expectations. We have to act with faith and obedience. The foundation of here is trust. I don't want to belabor this. The cost is high to walking in God's ways. And the last is this. Never get caught up in comparison. Your part of the plan is for you. Your part of the body is for you. You might be a toe. You might be an elbow. You might be a spleen. You might be whatever part of the body. That's God's place for you. Be okay if you don't have the yacht in the Bahamas. Who cares? The question is not, is your plan like everybody else's? The question is, are you doing what God wants, when he wants, and how he wants? Period. The details don't matter. The details don't matter. Are you doing what he wants, how he wants, when he wants? That's it. His plan is the only plan that matters. It's a couple words of encouragement, one in Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not, but in all your ways, and he will direct your paths, make them straight, make them firm, establish them. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So what would it look like in your life for you to trust in the Lord with all your heart? What if your plan started with prayer and not by saying a prayer? What if your plans didn't start until you heard from the Lord instead of hoping he heard from you? What if your plans were about faith and trust and obedient living, regardless of the details? And what if you didn't care? What would, you, what would your life, think about it, what would it look like tomorrow if you didn't have Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and others telling you that your life didn't measure up to everybody else's? What would you do with your life if you didn't have to compare to everybody else? How much easier would it be to walk in the way that he told you if you weren't concerned with what everybody else was doing? We have a plan. It's a good plan. Let's, let's plan to do what he wants. Let's pray together. I'm gonna ask that our prayer team comes up
And we're going to spend some time praying and kind of reflecting on this and responding. So I'm going to ask also that we spend some time giving, right? We have an opportunity to trust and depend on God all the time. One of those things financially, obviously, is always something we struggle with. You can take the bowls at the end, pass those along. It's our tithe. If you're, if you're new, if you're not part of the church, feel free to let it go by. But if you would, take the bowls, pass them down. We'll have somebody in the back picking those up. Also, as our prayer team comes up and we sing this song, once those bowls pass, feel free to stand. You could stay seated. And we're gonna worship through song and prayer. If you need prayer, you wanna pray for somebody, now's a great time to do that. Let's continue to worship through this giving time, also through our prayers. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that you feel encouraged. To stay up to date with our current sermon series, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to find more ways to get involved with the Bayou City family, visit us online at bayoucityfellowship.com or download the Bayou City Fellowship Cypress app to find community in the body of Christ.